0: welcome everyone to the global missions health conference in 2020 my name is Charlie Vidito, and I am a dentist who is retired from private practice and I'm also the missions pastor at Southeast Christian Church we sure do miss you guys this year this is A time of the year when our entire church really enjoys uh, just the energy the enthusiasm hosting all of you guys as you come and and spend three days in Louisville so I pray that next year we'll be again face-to-face but in the meantime we'll struggle through this virtual experience Um, so welcome Let me pray. Lord, thanks uh, for this conference and um, just, Lord, how you have used it uh, to bear great fruit in your kingdom. Uh, We get to hear stories over and over about um, the part that this conference played, and we pray that continues even through this virtual venue. But Lord, we pray for this mission you put us on to uh, take the good news to the 3.1 billion people that have yet to heard it, to hear it. And um, Lord, I pray from this conference that many will go to those people to bring the good news. So we do pray Luke 10, 2, which says that um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we're asking you, Lord, as the Lord of the harvest, to send more workers. We're grateful for the work of our forefathers that established the church around the world and the sacrifice that they made for that church to be established. So, Lord, I just pray that we get new ideas, new um, pathways that you will give us good ears to hear and eyes to see what your plans are for us, our church, our organizations to, uh, to complete this mission you put us on. So we thank you, Lord, that you are always just ahead of us. In your name we pray. Amen. A little bit about me. This is my granddaughter, Scarlett Jean, uh, a sweetheart. She uh, is one of ten. Sherry and I have been married uh, for 40 years. We have three children and ten grandchildren. I was born again in 1982 and Super grateful for the church uh, and the way the Lord has used it in my life and in my family's life Our objectives are the following I hope that you will have an understanding of that is broader of the present state of missions, and you can determine your role in that. You know, missions has shifted. No longer is the U.S. and Europe the center of Christianity. So we need to embrace these new realities to, to see what the Lord is doing. Uh, the second objective is for you to see models of the global church bringing their skills or expertise together in the same place for exponentially greater effect. And then the third objective is that you can see how short-term missions uh, has changed, that we can leave skills behind and expertise behind that can be used by the local church long after the team is gone for great impact. the short-term missions landscape has changed. There's a lot of new ministries that have propped up are cropped up in the last 15 years that allow us to be much more effective in short-term missions. Ministries like Atec and Teach to Transform and Empower and many others where we can bring skills to bear that will really deeply impact the church and their community. Let me share a little bit of my story about, um, there's powerful there's power in the story, right? So let's read a little bit from Psalms 139. To remind us of these truths that are 100% true, they're not disputable. They're an anchor for our soul. They're guaranteed promises that God has made to us, his children. Lord, you you searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And this chapter ends with, Lead me in the way everlasting. This conversation continues in Ephesians 2. But Psalms 139 says, He knows us better than we know ourselves. He hems us in. His hand is upon us. We have no context for this understanding. It's too high for us to attain. And so when the conversation continues in Ephesians 2, it reports, by grace you've been saved, period. Period. Uh, and this not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. So we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Mark Twain said, Worse than dying is not knowing what you're born for. And uh, so, what has God prepared you for? What is your destiny? Let me talk a little bit about burdens. And I think God uses burdens. Um, you could even say He gives us burdens. And, and uh, God uses these burdens to, to impact his kingdom. So burden is weighty. It's heavy to carry. Um, we want to offload it. We want to give it to others. Um, it's uncomfortable. And it just won't go away sometimes. It's something you can't get off your mind. You're, the burden I think that he gives is unique to you. It's very personal. It, a burden is something that uh, you just want to say, hey, this should not be this way. So uh, I'm going to ask you just to take stock of those skills, those, the temperament, the passions, the trials, the experiences you've had, or an injustice that really bothers you, that you've experienced, or that is really a burden to you that should not be. And And so I'd like to share a little bit of the burden that the Lord gave me and how he used it uh, to impact his kingdom. Um, So whatever that that burden is, he wants to use it to bring him glory. So it started on a short-term mission trips that I was on with my family. And as a dentist, I was doing the traditional short-term mission trip. There were four dentists, there were four lounge chairs, there was all kinds of help. And as soon as you show up to the site, there's 200 people waiting in line to be treated. So we work away for four days and work hard and it's the last day. And it's an hour before we have to leave And I'm working away on a patient and a friend of mine comes up to me while I'm working and taps me on the shoulder. I turn around and and I ask him, I said, yeah, his name was Paul Reese. And Paul had spent the week with people um, that were waiting to be treated. So Paul says to me, hey, Charlie, um, we got to leave in an hour. What am I supposed to tell these folks that are still waiting? Because there's still 85 people in line. I said, Paul, I don't know what you tell him, but all I know is we got to go. And I'm kind of busy right now, actually. So, so he he just left without an answer. Fifteen minutes later, he comes back. And this time, taps me on the shoulder. I turn around and he asked me the same question. But this time it's through his tears. And I thought to myself, what on earth? Because this is not like Paul. This is a retired global policeman. he goes, no, Charlie, through his tears, he says, I need for you to tell me what I'm supposed to tell these people. Well, he had spent a week with them, so he knew their desperation. He knew the moms that listened to their 15-year-old son cry themselves to sleep every night, and there was nothing that the mom could do. He knew many had walked whole day to get there and we were just gonna say nonchalantly hey sorry for your luck maybe we'll see you next year he he met the people that uh, whose faces were swollen who had been in pain uh, hadn't slept for days and my response was hey maybe we'll see you again next year well through Paul's tears that was that that messed me up Um, I thought to myself wow This just does not seem the way that you would do this, God. And I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. And so it just weighed weighed on me. And really, it was a burden I didn't know what to do with. So it wasn't long after that, um, there was a guy who had developed a dental chair for mission work that was coming to our church. His name was Steve Saint. And I said, Steve Saint, I didn't know Steve from Adam. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his family story so I thought to myself dental chair really okay so I will I'll take a look so I met Steve saw the dental chair actually it's kind of cool and uh, was a big improvement over the lounge chairs we'd used before but uh, he could tell I wasn't all that interested in in what he had later that day we were invited to lunch I got to go to lunch with Steve and hear more of his story. And during lunch, he asked me this question. He goes, Charlie, why do you go and do dentistry? Why don't you go teach them how to do it? And I thought to myself, are you crazy? It took me four years to figure out how to do that. And I'm going to teach somebody in six days how to do this. And unlike Steve, he just let that question rest. He, he He didn't respond back to my... My concerns, he just was quiet and the Holy Spirit started turning. <coughs> and it occurred to me when I was in dental school and we had to learn how to, um, give an injection, the faculty just put us in pairs and uh, we, we gave each other local anesthetic and, and you don't have to know the molecular structure of lidocaine to, uh, to give a safe injection. Um, and when it was a time to learn how to extract a tooth, it was really a student ahead of me that kind of coached me through the process. And, and, uh, and it just then, it, it's just a matter of practice. So this, again, this burden is weighing on me. I'm thinking about these things. And I call a friend of mine who's in Northern Ghana. Uh, and I said, what if we came there and we taught you guys how to give a shot and extract a tooth? And he said, come so we took four students and this is in 2004 and we taught them how to safely give a local anesthetic extract the tooth how to sterilize instruments we left them everything that we would use here in my own dental office all the same instrumentation sterilization and after six days they had taken out more teeth than i had taken out in four years of dental school And about the third day, they started really catching on. So we tried this in 2004, and I said, wow, this this might work. We went back a year later after telling them, don't take out certain teeth, like wisdom teeth. You have to get the whole tooth out. You can't leave parts of it in. And we, uh, a year later, I come back, and they've been extracting teeth like crazy, and they were gifted surgeons but the most powerful thing is their reputation in the community went way up their ability to share the gospel went way up their relevance to the community went way up and so this burden that i had for the dental health of people i didn't even know we were able to train and now dozens of my colleagues are traveling the world to remote places of the world Uh, training others uh, the church on how to safely give an injection and extract teeth and then present the gospel at the same time so that's my story and that's how God God uses burdens and like I would just reflect on what are some burdens that you may have that that God wants to use to impact his kingdom so let's switch to the state of missions nowadays and just to A little review, we are, one of the things that we really want to emphasize um, as we talk about the Great Commission a lot, uh, to go and make disciples. But really, I think from the scriptures, we can see that our role is to combine the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, and the Great Concern. The Great Commandment is to love the Lord your God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. Now frequently the American church is not familiar with the great concern and the great concern is from Matthew 25 when Jesus talks about I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. So one of the things that, that the great concern addresses is the problems in a particular community. So I... I would contend that God calls us to do all three of these at the same time to to worship him, to make disciples, and to be uh, in the community where there's suffering and where there's problems. So if there's a problem in a community, that's a church problem. So if there's poor dental health in a church, in a community, that's a church issue. If the education is poor, that's a church issue. If 41% of single moms live in poverty, that's a church issue, which happens to be true in our particular community. These things are all church issues because a church is a change agent. It's the, it's the vehicle that God has, has put in place to bring hope and love to that community. But it can't be just the great commandment or just alone the great commission. We have to engage the great concern. And these three are supposed to are, are done simultaneously. And when they're done simultaneously at the same time, transformation of a community will come. I guess Jesus modeled this for us best in Matthew 8 and Luke 8. When um, he gets in the boat, goes across the Sea of Galilee into the region of Decapolis, um, and he meets the demon-possessed man. And right instantly, the demon-possessed man The demons recognize who Jesus is, and he drives them out and into the pigs. So he heals the man spiritually. And what does the man say? He he says, hey, I want to come with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you stay right here in your own community, and you go tell people what God has done for you. So you can imagine that this guy has tormented this community. People are afraid to go on the road. They can't. He's chained up. He hangs out in the graveyard. Now he starts walking the street and he starts telling people what God has done for him. So that first conversation is going to be difficult because his reputation precedes him. But as he starts to tell them what God has done for him, they're starting to see evidence of it. And then, So he's experiencing emotional healing, not just spiritual healing and deliverance, but emotional healing. He's being restored socially back to his community because now he has relationships within his community. And in the scriptures, it talks about when Jesus first saw him, he was naked. When Jesus left him, he was clothed. So Jesus met the physical needs that he had too. So this is what God is addressing when he talks about the three We call it the Great Commission Great Commandment and Great Concern is we have to love the whole person. So once we Heal somebody spiritually we have to we want to heal them socially emotionally physically So that they can enjoy that life in abundance So the last line of my little presentation is monks projects and social justice So if we just all did the Great Commandment, I think we'd all be monks and I had no problem with monks One of the problems with the Great Commission only is that we make projects out of people. And uh, that just doesn't feel good. And if we do just the Great Concern, it's just social justice. And so that's why it's important that we worship, we make disciples, and we love uh, people where they are in the whole community. So that's, this is a basic foundational role of the church. So now let me, Share a specific example of how this is utilized This is a map of the world and you see the green dots the green dots represents our church But it actually represents a lot of churches in the US The one in the US now you see a green dot in the area of East Africa So that represents the church in East Africa so we're Going to bring the church from the east and the church from the west together in West Africa in a northern city called Tamale, Ghana. So here's what the Eastern Church brings from Kenya it, it brings the teaching of the role of the church to transform its community. It, it brings a healthier view of poverty, whereas Americans see poverty and we feel bad and we want to fix it. And you can't rush into that. Whereas The Eastern Church will bring in, yes, there's poverty, but the role of the church is to address it. And how does the church address it? The other thing that the Eastern Church brings uh, is just the high skills in dealing with spiritual warfare. The very thing that many times we lack. The church from the West brings, you know, we're a generous church. We've been blessed with a lot, so we bring financial resources. We're also great problem solvers. We bring a can-do attitude, and we also have some great expertise because we have such a powerful educational system in the U.S. and in Europe. So how can we bring these all these skills together in one place to impact the church in that community? This shows a more detailed map of, of Tamale, Ghana, uh, Ghana is a country in West Africa uh, really it's two different countries the south is part predominantly Christian the north is predominantly Muslim so you can see the two churches from the east and west coming a little bit about Tamale. it's a super strategic city in sub-sahara Africa um, the city population is about a half a million but there's about there's over two million people Uh, from the whole region. Tamale is the fastest growing city in West Africa. It's predominantly Muslim, uh, 20% animist, and the rest is um, a spackling of different religions, including Christianity. It's less than 10%. The churches are small and they're undeveloped. There are missionaries from the West there, and they're actually doing quite well. They're empowering nationals there. So from a dental standpoint there's one time, part-time government dentist for 2.5 million people so you can see that this is a major health issue in this area and there's little access to this this government dentist cuz the fees are so high so let me paint a picture of you for you a little bit of the role of the church So this partnership between the the church from Kenya and the church from the U.S. and we come together in Tamale, Ghana. This picture shows a picture of me. To, To my right is Francis, who's a missionary from Kenya. To my left is his wife, who's in another conversation, Pamela. So they come there to equip the church and get it ready for the American church to come and bring these skills to bear. Now, if if we go without that training of that church, realizing that that the role of that church is to address the, the social issues I just talked about or the health issues, then our chance of success is pretty it goes way down. That's why partnership is so important. So Pamela and Francis from Kenya equip the church in holistic transformational development. Now that's three big words, but I'll break it down for you. Holistic is basically we love the whole person that we talked about from Matthew uh, 8 and Luke 8 whatever we do as far as uh, equipping it should be transformational not only physical transformation emotional social and most important spiritual transformation and it should be developmental and that means that it's not just a one-time fix and like I was doing dentistry before where we would go and do dentistry and go home and take everything with us and left nothing behind. So it's developmental. So these churches and these communities start to develop and now they can go to other communities and do the same thing and help them do the same thing. So it's not relief oriented, it's more development oriented. So the Kenyan missionaries go and not unlike Jesus, they go and they're there to equip the church for three years and then they leave. When they leave, the church in Tamalea understand its role It takes these principles and it's either planting more churches or it's equipping established churches. Now, when they leave, there's a lot of tears and uh, people don't want them to leave because they've had such a great impact. But in order for the church to thrive, they have to leave, which is a different approach than many American missionaries look at it. So that's another thing that has shifted in our philosophy is you can do some great work on a short-term mission trip. You can do some phenomenal work on a midterm trip where you're staying six months to a year uh, and bear some great fruit. So this old model of you sign up and you, you're, you and your family are going for 40 years to a remote jungle, that model is gone. Now, once the, re, let me remind you, once the church is equipped and trained by the Eastern Church, American teams can now easily plug in and start to have an impact. So we can bring medical skills, dental skills. Uh, one of the challenges they have is early childhood development. We can be, bring people that are experts in that, and and train them in such a way that that they can they can catch on. One of the things that people say is. Uh, how are you going to train somebody to extract a tooth who doesn't even have a sixth grade education? And and so we are picky about who we train, but so many times they just haven't had formal education. These folks that we train are, are uh, have the skills to do this. <clears throat> we just teach it in a different way than we would teach it here in the West. So... Um, so now the church is prepared to bring business skills, um, you know, sports camp, water projects, because now they understand that if there's bad water, if there's a problem with water in a community, that is a church issue. So now they can own it, and we can bring sustainable technologies that will help these churches in these remote areas to really thrive and do great. I got my slide a little bit older, but that's a summary of what I'm talking about. So let me tell you a specific story. In the background, you see a, a building, a church building. And so um, Francis from Kenya meets the pastor. The pastor says, hey, I see you hanging around with all these white folks. Our church is busting at the seams. Can you come and have them bring some teams that would build us a new church. And Francis instantly says, no, I'm not going to do that. And so the guy's like, well, why are you here? He goes, no, you do it. You are busting at the seams, which is great, but you guys start your own capital campaign and raise some money to build this new church. So, Pastor says, okay, we'll give it a try. And they did it. And they raised some money. And then when it was time to equip the to, to start to actually build the church, on Saturdays, the men started to get together to make these concrete blocks. So that's what you see in front of you. So this is just a beautiful picture about this model that, that we have in place now where it did not take one penny from the West for this church to build a new church. So now it's their church. They own it. It's, it's their model. And uh, they can start to duplicate that elsewhere. And this is what's really exciting going forward. So now this church can receive short term teams from the US to train them in areas that they have identified as to where the problems are. Let's go to the next slide. And this is a great quote. This is um, emblematic, or yeah, it's symptomatic of where we are. And realizing where we are and how it's important for us to recognize this massive cultural shift and realign around that so that we can be more effective I think God is going to use this model to finish the task that there's power when the body of Christ across the world comes together and brings their expertise so this is the fruit of partnership a church is built. We didn't come and build it. We didn't come and do VBS. We didn't come and do a dental clinic and leave. We left everything behind. And they have been empowered by the church in the East to, to take things into their own hands and, and go to work. So um, just a little bit of review. When we can take the skills, especially medical skills, and we can put it into the hands of our brothers and sisters around the world so that those skills are theirs, that is extremely powerful, especially in frontier areas where the gospel hasn't been, in frontier areas that are hard for us to reach. But because the church has been established, they can go to these frontier areas. We can bring them the skills that will help them to bring the gospel to these folks so when we do these types of things are a little bit risky like in six days training people how to uh, safely extract a tooth this is surgery this is um, potentially life-threatening so we have to train carefully and skillfully and and monitor that so about Eight years ago, we did a study commissioned by the University of Kentucky College of Dentistry to evaluate surgical outcomes of those that were trained by us compared to American dentists. So we went and we treated a lot of patients. We did a lot of extractions. <clears throat> the students did, uh, that we had trained did the extractions and American dentists. And what we found from the study that we, that we could do it faster as American dentists, because we've been doing it. Our experience together was like 56 years while the experience of the four students that were in the study was more like 15. So it did take them longer to do surgical procedures, but the patient's perception of the and the outcome was the same. Uh, their experience was no different between all students that we had trained and the American dentist. The only difference was that it did take them longer. And so we know when a surgical procedure is to correcting a tooth takes longer, the, um, the chance for dry socket increase. And so there was a higher incidence of dry socket with students than, than with American dentists. That's self-limiting. There's ways to treat that, but that was the only difference. The patients perceived no difference in the level of care that they received and the out, the surgical outcomes were identical so that that's important that we verify that we're being safe with it let me just share with you just a few stories when we put the skills into the hands of the of nationals there was a pastor in uh, india pastor michael great pastor he signed up to be a dentist to learn some dental skills well, within no time, we could determine that he did not have the, the skills to do that, the hand-eye coordination. and So we allowed him to sterilize instruments, and he was happy with that. There was a team that, that came later that taught medical skills, how to take vital signs. Uh, Michael went through that, so he came out of that training with a little black bag like doctors carry around. I was in NDS, so I wanted to check on Pastor Michael to see how he's doing, and uh so I went to his church, and while I was there, I said, Hey, uh, Pastor, would you take my blood pressure? Because he had his little black bag. So he put the blood pressure cuff on, it was upside down. He had no clue where the brachial artery was. He didn't know where to put the stuff, steth- he couldn't take my blood pressure. And said, Okay, so just be careful with this. And it was non invasive things that he was doing uh, with his black bag. But here's what happened. His wife comes to him one day and says, hey, that little girl that lives next door to us is really sick, and mom is really concerned. I think you should take your little black bag over there and go check and see how they're doing. So Michael goes over there, and this girl was really sick, super high fever, and they were Hindu. And so what happened was the Hindu witch doctors were there spreading chicken blood over her, doing all these things, and the girl was just getting sicker, and sicker. Michael sees her and says, feels her forehead and says, she has a hot temperature. We need to take her to the doctor. So he put her, her and her dad on his motorcycle, and they took her to the doc, to the local clinic, and they determined that this little girl had typhoid fever. Had Michael not intervened, she probably would have died. The clinic was able to treat her and help her to be better. The parents had spent lots of money uh, with witch doctors trying to figure out the problem. And Michael was able to help them. Well, you know the rest of the story. When you express that kind of love, people aren't used to that. And they came to faith in Jesus. But that's what happens when somebody lays down in a chair and they open their mouth and they're a complete stranger to you, and they let they, they let you put their hands in their mouth, they're telling you they trust you. If they trust you with their teeth, they'll trust you with the gospel. Jesus over and over modeled for us the connection between physical health and the gospel. And when we can do more and more of this with our partners in around the world and the church around the world, we're going to see great fruit from that. So I hope that we've achieved our objectives. One last objective that I didn't put up there that I meant to mention was number four. I was in business uh, at a medical company. And we would visit other businesses that were in a similar business. And inevitably, there would be one thing that we would pick up from that other business that they shared that we could use in our own business. Maybe it's a product or it's an idea that or it's a, a concept that we could use that would really help our business a lot. And and some of that stuff was proprietary. That, you know, I encouraged the young people in our church in our not our church, in our business to be careful about what you share because you could be given information that you're creating a competitor. The beauty of the church. And the kingdom is we're not creating competitors. So I pray that some of these things that you learned from the conference, maybe just one idea or one concept that you will run with and pursue that will make an impact in the kingdom. Let's go to our questions. Let's continue the conversation. Here's my email address. Uh, Please email me. I'd love to talk to you. And if I can't answer, then uh, I've got a world of people that can. Um, but just wrestle with the question, how can we better engage the the mission under this new paradigm that we operate under? And the ultimate test is um, our fruitfulness is who gets the glory. Today, there are hundreds of people that are hearing the good news of Jesus and they are uh, getting their teeth um, extracted and this pain is gone, this infection has gone because of the work that we did. And they don't know who Charlie Vidito is or any, or any of the team from Empower or ITAC or TTT. They don't know any of those folks. But God gets the glory, and that's the ultimate test. And uh, make sure you get to the exhibit hall. Um, you won't find finer people just to have conversations with that are dying to have a conversation with you. So blessings galore. Thank you. Um, We're going to get through this 2020 soon and uh, proceed with uh, what God has for us. But you see the importance of this training is if we take the skills now that we can't go and serve, that's why it's important that we go and train and equip others on what we do. So God bless and we'll see you next year.